show. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your life and with your community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cameron here. Today on the show, we have a great conversation with Stephanie Beatrice. You know her as an actor from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Man, she's a total delight and a really good follow on Twitter. I also just want to take a moment right now and uh, speak directly to my transgender friends who are listening. Um, The military ban that is being put into place right now by our president is disgusting, wrong, and gross. I just want you to know that you are not alone, that uh, you are my family, and that I will keep fighting for you and for all of us to have the rights that we deserve. Um, Mainly the right to be treated as if we are normal people who can make our own decisions about our own bodies, about who we love, about how we spend our time. Please enjoy the episode. How are you feeling? Feeling ready? I feel great. Ready yeah. to go? Yeah. Um, first of all, hi. You have hi. been... Well, you know what I've been doing? What? I've been having people introduce themselves on the show. Because oh. it's been, like, really cool to watch how people do that. Oh, that's so, fun. So, uh, welcome to Query. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi. I'm Stephanie Beatriz. Uh, I am an actress. I play Rosa Diaz on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and various other things that you can find on the internet. There's this interesting website called IMDb that lists everyone's <laughs> All the credits. Things, yeah. uh, I am also, uh, I like to think of myself as a really good friend. Um, uh, sometimes on the Twitter, the little kids are calling me a bicon, which is an a adorable. Isn't that adorable? Wow. Um, and I guess some other things. I'm a dog lover. I am a uh, I'm in recovery from an eating disorder. I am Latina. I'm an American citizen. I'm a pretty good daughter and sister. And I did say good friend, right? Yes, yeah. you did say good. Friend. I like I like to think of myself. You as a good friend. are a good friend. Yeah, I'm a good friend. I I'm a good you. friend. Um, yeah, those are all. The, and I'm a very I'm very passionate about acting. I'm I'm. I know a lot of people think of me as a comedic actress, but I'm super passionate about all of the breadth of possibilities in that art form. I'm, I want to continue to do it until there's this great Dolly Parton quote. I'm a Dolly Parton fan. I love Dolly Parton. Diehard Dolly Parton fan. Uh, there's this great quote that she has. It's like, I want to keep doing something like, I want to keep doing this till the day I die. I hope I die right in the middle of of a song or on stage doing what I love to do. And that's me, 100%. That sounds amazing. Do you know this story? You mm. probably know this story. Which? But do you know that the first time Dolly heard I Will Always Love You, the Whitney Houston version, on the radio, yeah. she had known that like her song had been like licensed or whatever. Yes. But it had been like years prior. Yes. So she didn't know the version existed. Yeah. And then she pulled over because she was listening to a song that she really liked on the radio and then she realized, she realized it was what her song, song was. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yes. just that has nothing I love to do that with story. anything. But it's a beautiful story. I love Jolly Parton. She's great. Who doesn't love Jolly Parton? Well, uh, monsters. That's what I was going to say. Terrible monsters. Monsters. How did you get into acting? I got into it. Um, I So I grew up in Texas. I went to a public school in Texas and... Uh, there were Where three right outside of Houston, this little this area called Webster, Webster Clear Lake area. And there were three electives that were possible. You could take art class, you could take band. No, there were four. Art class, band, choir, or um, speech and debate. And choir was the only one really available to me because I also grew up pretty poor and I didn't 
I didn't want to ask my parents for the money to take because for art class you had to have like supplies, you know, or yes. for a band you had to rent an instrument or buy one. And that was like to me in my mind, I was I and I took I was one of those kids that took a lot of responsibility on themselves, you know, like so I didn't want to ask for this extra money to do these things. So I thought I'm just going to sign up for choir. So you're like, like I will beat the instrument. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it'll be great. First day in choir, I get pulled aside after class and the teacher's like, I don't really think this is for you. I think you might want to think about switching electives. Classic acting story. Super cool. So I go and sign up for speech and debate. And then the the best part of the story is, so we did two plays, one at Christmas time and then one in the spring semester. And this was sixth grade and seventh grade, sixth grade. Don't remember. It's all blending together because it was all awful. So I just like <laughs> it's a wash of awful. Um there was a play, and I wanted to be the ingenue character in it. And at this time, I had baby queer. I had, like, very short hair. I dressed very, like, uh, I guess what you would say is, like, I was trying to, like, blend into the background. I didn't want anyone to, like, really look at me. I had really crooked teeth and super short hair. And I did not get the ingenue role. That went to beautiful Cassie Plumley. Shout out to Cassie Plumley. What up, Cassie? Hey, Cassie. I hope you're doing great. Um... And I got the part of the villain who was a male. So I got to, I had to wear a handlebar mustache, slicked back my hair, and wore a top hat. And it was like, I had a like mini crisis about it because I thought, like, oh, I guess I'm just ugly and a monster. I'm, 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 I guess I look like a boy. And I am not one of those people that I identified and wanted to be a boy. I wanted to be. A lush, beautiful girl. It's just like my body was not cooperating. It's not with happening. Me. Yeah. Mm. So then we did the play. We do the play in front of everyone at school, like two performances. And then the next day at school, there was a popular boy that was in my science class who had never talked to me all year. And he came up to my desk and said, Hey, I saw your brother in that play. He was really funny. Tell him you did a great job. So there's like, now there's like multiple levels of like, Cool, Willie Rivera talked to me. Oh my God, Willie Rivera thinks I am a boy. I guess I'm funny. So all yeah, there's a lot of different feedback. Of, you got a lot of it feedback. Was a lot. So I think at the time I sort of chose the thing that was most exciting was like I fooled him. You know, I I'm in class with this kid every single day for a year. I've been in class with this kid every single day. We've been partners on projects, and he watched me for two hours and didn't know it was me. So there was something really magical about that to me. There's something and and escapist, if I'm really honest, because I like disappeared into and somebody else. Uh huh. I mean, I was just gonna say it. Also, you know, like for a queer kid has like specific resonance. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I had <laughs> a very similar story, but on really? purpose ah. because I now this like hopefully this doesn't happen anymore. But um, when I was growing up. As a white person, yeah. I was not ever aware of the fact that, like, Christopher Columbus wouldn't be a positive person <laughs> in our history. Like, I was just like, that's like, a guy. Columbus. He's fucking Italian. I'm Italian. You know, like, America. Yeah, from nothing. Right. You know? Um, and so there was a play at my grade school that was called In Quest of Columbus. And it was about Christopher Columbus coming to the New World. The totally new world, the world sure. that didn't, yeah, didn't have any, exist before, it did not exist. Brand new world. On it. <laughs> um, and the role of Christopher Columbus was one of the smallest roles in the play, mm. but it was a t- the titular character. Right. So I, a little girl with no, like nobody told me, I, I talked to nobody. I don't know how this happened, but I will tell you that I went to the auditions, and it was like you know like ingenue like whatever it was and I was like I'm here to audition for Christopher Columbus the star of the show oh my gosh I got the part that's and adorable. I wore like my mom's suede boots yes and pushed them down and ruined yes. them you know and played uh Christopher Columbus I literally had like one line but I just was but I you came like, out I'm gonna I dress you know, this just like just very oh I felt God. very commanding hand on the back hip. and also like I can't believe that my school, based on what I now know yeah. about that, I can't believe that they were like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. sure. 
It's not funny. I think maybe for like some historical figures, they were flexible about stuff like that because they're like, yeah, little girls should also have the chance to like to taste what it feels like to be the smartest and coolest person in the room, which is usually a man. So go ahead, honey. Get yeah. I know. I still I still like think about that. I think ours was mostly because we didn't have enough boys in our mm. drama class, like in our speech and debate class. You know, there were not, and there were maybe like four, and the but rest were both young women. of those. Roles launched two huge careers, <laughs> huge, massive. Yeah. So I mean, thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks. Those roles. Thanks, thanks, Christopher Columbus, and I can't remember mine. <laughs> and that, that that little mustache wearing. Yeah. That was very freeing, though. I do remember it feeling very free because I was such an awkward, you know. And I know everyone says that about themselves. I I find it always so annoying when like someone particularly graceful or beautiful in an interview so it's like I was an awkward child and I got made fun of I'm like I'm like fuck you no you didn't you were popular and beautiful I bet Cassie Blumley but I well I didn't feel I I mean there were a lot of things stacked against me there was the a the short hair because my hair is thick and unruly and my parents didn't know what to do with it so they just chopped it all off there was the crooked teeth, which, like, my teeth are pretty big. And imagine that, like, just a gnarly mess. And then there was, you know, I was uh, an immigrant. And my parents were not, you know, they didn't speak, like, quote, you know, correctly. I mean, they both have really thick accents, you know. So there were, like, all these things in the back of my mind always. It was like, I don't fit in, I don't fit in, I don't fit in. And then sort of to have, like, a space in which I started feeling like, well, I don't have to fit in. I can be this other person and it doesn't matter if they fit in or not because that's part of the story. Whatever the story is, I just get to live that story, you know? And yeah. then I became like obsessed with with sort of becoming, I mean, I think most of the stuff that I've done in my life, the most of the roles that I've played become these like, are these chameleon-y kind of roles. I very rarely get like cast as the ingenue role. It's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. I mean, we overdevelop coping mechanisms and then those things help us later mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. Humor is a great one. <laughs> um, you know, like if... Really? Tell me more about that. What would, <laughs> what would you know personally about that? <laughs> I just, I feel like a lot of kids, you know, we, we I think we assume that kids like don't have a big skill set, but when I, you I really know. think about it, you know, like... Distraction is yeah. a, a great technique for defense. Fuck yeah. And so I think like distraction or, um, I mean, that's why, like, if you talk to comics, yeah, they're like, oh, I had something in my childhood. I'm like, yeah, no fucking kidding, yeah. man. Yeah, of course you did. You make the people laugh at you right. on your terms, right. not right. on their terms. Right. Yeah. So I relate, to, I, I relate to... Like developing a thing that yes, that, that you was like need. your protective survival. thing. Yeah, your survival mechanism. Yeah. yeah, in whatever way that shape or form that was, whether it was like right. I'm gonna make fun of myself first before you can, or I'm gonna like disappear into these other people so that like I don't have to think about what who I am or what I am. You know, right. I think that was a lot, a lot. Maybe because as as all that was happening, that was what junior high. So like sixth grade. How old are you? Twelve. How, how old is a sixth grader? Uh, sixth 12. grader, 12. Yes. How old are you? How old Karen, how old are you? 12. No. <laughs> no. I think like... I, what, do <laughs> what do you mean? I'm a full I, adult. I, I'm, I'm a full I'm, adult. Uh, I think like... I, yeah, sixth grade is 12, 13, something like that. So like... Yeah. As all that stuff is... As all of those other things are already on my plate, then then comes like all puberty. You know, like... And I, I feel like for me... Be being bi was always like that it was an, a really interesting sort of like um what's the word I want? like you know those old houses where like uh wallpaper is coming off of the wall and you peel the wallpaper down and then there's like another layer of wallpaper so you peel that again and there's another layer of wallpaper and it's like well where's the paint where's the actual where's the end of this wallpaper I love this description keep <laughs> this, going that's how I felt about like well, I think my babysitter's so beautiful, and I I watch her all the time when she's here babysitting me. Peel back that layer. Oh, well, I think my best friend Danielle is so so lovely to be around, and like I just want to like I hope she falls asleep before I do at the slumber party, so I can like watch her sleep for a while. Peel back the next layer, you know. Like it just felt like all these these things that I didn't know were 
signs of like you also like girls girlfriend like the the it was like these very slow discoveries and i remember being like probably right around that age i think i was 12 or 13 and my mom would take us to my mom was an amazing lady and she would take us to all these places like like i said because we didn't grow up with money so she would find these activities or things for us to do in houston that were free or cheap and one of them would be going to the art museums all the time. We would spend a lot of like summertime going down like every week. And there was this Frida Kahlo exhibit that came through when I was 12, 13, right? And I, now when I think about it, you like the, it goes back to what you're saying about people. People don't think kids really have a skill set or that they're like, we just assume kids are dummies until they're 15, 16, 17. And then and we're like, they don't well, have they don't have sexuality any, or yes. that they don't have... That they're not complete. Awareness of self. Exactly. And I'm I'm really thankful that my mom treated us like a little bit like tiny adults because I, like now if I heard about like, let's say I was 11, that means my sister was nine. If I heard about a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old going to a Frida Kahlo exhibit, I'd probably be like, wow, those parents are so, wow, that's so forward thinking. That's amazing. Like that they just took them to this. Because most of Frida Kahlo's art is like, her naked, her topless, her dealing with some kind of like bodily injury, you know, like like a weird deer head. Yeah, that's like been a weird severed. deer yeah. head that's coming out of her boob. By the way, like, I say a weird deer head with like the utmost respect, respect. for a literal genius. Sure, yes, yes. but a weird deer head we're, nonetheless. We're, we're, we're deer heads. She's like, a, there's a, a painting called My Birth that I remember staring at for a really long time, and I was like, why does this person's head? Why is the head coming out of their crotch and their arms look like legs? It's because it's an actual picture of a yes. birth of a head coming out of a vagina. So, like, I I remember going to that exhibit and like really staring at the at the paintings in a way that felt what's the word I'm looking for? It felt like I was going to get in trouble if someone caught me. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? Like, like. Yeah, I do know. What Keep you mean. staring at the picture, and you're you're safe because you're at an art museum, and so everyone else is staring at the pictures too. So you're probably not going to get in trouble. Do you think you identified with her in that moment? Like, I think like I, with I, the way that she was seeing the world. Obviously, like a painter. Yes, I think shows both what they things. see in the world. Yes, I think both things. I mean, there's works of hers that are like. She's got this one called the Two Fridas, and she's in like right. traditional Mexican dress, yep. and then like very modern. So I think I identified with her, and I also identified with like the way that she was showing women's bodies, like just like ve- her own, uh, the brownness of everything in the paintings, which was like something I hadn't really seen either. I mean, we'd been going to the art museum, and most of the stuff that we'd been seeing was by European artists, so like the women are always white, you know. And there were, uh, like, again, multiple levels of things happening, which is, like, one, I'm staring at boobs for a really long time. Hey, congrats. <laughs> Thanks. Two, I'm staring at, like, brown lady boobs. And then three, I'm staring at a female artist's work. Yeah. So I think that that was that when I try to, like, think back to, like, well, when did when did I start to, like, think, oh, maybe this is more than I just really like my babysitter Jessica having coming over and like reading to me a lot, you know, maybe this is more than maybe this is more. I think that I, I can remember that being a sort of big moment. And also there was another art exhibit that came through about Pompeii that was like a recreation of, of like very legit garden. things for your childhood. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was like a, a, a Pompeii recreation and, you know, like in, they, they would have these like statues, almost like a Madame Tussauds statues in the, in the exhibit. And, you know, there's like always a boob hanging out in Rome. There's always like one boob <laughs> just like chilling outside of the Why toga. Why is it doing that? Not sure. Not sure. Cool with it. Also, that was a a part of that, which is like, I I mean, art museums are a great safe place to just like stare at the human body in a, in a, I mean, I don't, I don't even, I can't. That's really now it's like interesting internet. though, because I, I feel like what a good distinction. Um, you know, I don't know that I've ever really like gone to an, uh, I'm sure I have. It's just not coming to mind. Like seen a painting and thought that's how I see that type of body Uh, because oftentimes 
Well, because like number one, straight up throughout history, it's like dudes. Yeah. That are so that's not how I see the world because Most... I wasn't culturally brewed. Mm-hmm. I wasn't put in the teapot and made into that <laughs> that set of eyeballs, and then. Um, like women, I don't know. I just think about that. That's really fucking cool is what I'm trying to say. Thanks. I'm glad you had that experience. I am too. And I want to go back to something that you just sort of said in passing that I was curious about. So you said that you're an immigrant. Your parents spoke with an accent. Mm-hmm. The kids that you grew up around or even more like a teenager around, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. similar demographics, different demographics. Like you know, did your friend's parents have accents that's or were you question. an outlier in that That way? was totally an outlier because like – so in my high school, it was very and, – and where I grew up, the main source of immigration, because it's Texas – By the way, also, just to say, everybody has accents. Yeah, yeah. Just mentioning that I yes. am aware that everybody has accents, including white people. <laughs> everybody, Just guys, want to say that. Everybody. We're everybody not has trying accents. to be yeah. exclusive. But, yeah, I, I grew up – so I grew up um, not close to the border or anything. It's like – it's actually on the opposite side. It's near the coast. So – but the main influx, I would say, of – immigrants in Texas is from Mexico. So there was a very interesting distinction being made in my high school of, well, are you a Mexican-American? Like, are you a Mexican immigrant? Are your parents Mexican? If so, then you belong over here with these kids that are of Mexican descent. Are your parents immigrants from somewhere else? Okay. If so, then you're allowed over here in this other area. And then there were all sorts of distinctions of like, well, what kind of classes do you, are you an AP, advanced student? Okay, then you are in this group. Are you, does your, does your family have money and you're an immigrant? Okay, well then you're allowed in this group over here. So there was a lot of like, I mean, I hate to use this as an example because it's so brilliant, but Mean Girls has that great scene in the beginning where she's like, they're all discussing where you sit in the cafeteria. Yeah. And that was high school for me. It was very separate and segregated and the only way that you could sort of have flexibility in which tables that you had access to were things like do your parents have money are you a sports hero somewhere at school is there some other reason that you're hyper popular and you can like move through these different social groups and for me it was not I wasn't allowed access to I didn't I didn't have access to the kids that were um, Mexican immigrant kids you know because they felt a lot of them felt like well, you're outside of this group because your parents aren't Mexican. So you don't know what this experience is like, even though like to me, when I think about my upbringing, I feel like there's a strong Mexican influence because of growing up in Texas. Hmm. And then that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm like, I really do identify like, I mean, one of my biggest, I think, like heroes in my life is Selena. And like she's Mexican, like Mexican-American. And but I think a lot of Latinos identify with her because we just don't have that much representation across the board. So we're like clinging on to this person from yeah, like 20 years course. ago. Uh, but yeah, like I I like I mean, from the music to like the food to the sort of I think I mean, just like influences it even in like the way that I, I decorate my house, I feel like is very there's a lot of color that's used in the way that I decorate that is, I think, directly it's direct Mexican influence, I think. Um, but then there were other things like, like I wasn't really allowed to like socially, um, what's the word? I didn't have a lot of flexibility socially until probably like junior year when I started really doing a lot of theater in high school. And then it was like, oh, people knew me because I did shows or like I emceed like the talent show or like other things like that. And then you just had access to all the groups because you were a form of entertainment. So everyone liked you, you know, then it was. Yeah, sure. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm friends with Stephanie. Did you see like she she's gonna MC the talent show? She's really funny, or like, or did you see that like funny skit that she did with everyone at the pep rally or whatever? Because of that, then I had some kind of like currency almost to be able to sort of move through different social groups. Yeah, weird. High school's weird and awful time. Everyone that's listening and that's in high school, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. <laughs> I You'll had a weirdly soon. good time in high did school. Did you? I but I but. I don't think I could identify what was going on. Like, I thought it was fun. I mean, I would have been way happier if I would have had a girlfriend and yeah. not a boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but I did. I, like, wasn't I wasn't made fun of, really, and I, like, should have been. Instead, I was just, like, popular. Like, I can't explain. I can't explain how, like, I can't explain 
how I did it. How did you do it, Cami Esposito? Yeah, like, how did you do it? I don't know. I, I mean, you had fucked up teeth. I had crossed eyes. And, did you really? Yes. I had to wear- Did you have glasses? Did you have to wear an eye patch? I had to wear an eye patch for eight years of my childhood, and oh I had gosh. two surgeries. And But sometimes in high school, it was just crossed, because it would happen when I was super tired. And I, I found like this this dance, this photo of me and my boyfriend at a dance, and I just have like, I just have crossed eyes because I was also on the swim team, and swimming makes you so like muscularly exhausted yeah, yeah, that yeah. it would cause my eye to act up. But I didn't like quit the swim team, Whoa. so I just there's like a I've just been wearing like a dress and I have my hair done and I just have crossed eyes, girl. And somehow I just You're skated just, through. Yeah, I don't know how that's possible because. Like, I think the person next to me, not I think, the person whose locker next to me was, like, definitely a lesbian. Uh-huh, uh-huh, But, uh-huh. like, that was not a thing at my uh-huh. high school at all. It wasn't a thing at mine either. And I, like, she was, everything I think was very hard for her. Uh-huh. And I don't know that how somehow. I missed that. Because I feel like... I don't know, maybe your athleticism, maybe... Being you, a jock helps a uh, lot. Were you outgoing? Like, were you friendly and outgoing Yeah, I mean, I'm, like, very, you know, I'm an introvert. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm exhausted all the time. Yeah. But I can fake it. Yeah. And I can be very loud and, like, fun. And yeah. I'm funny. The faking and the funny is very helpful. Yeah. And some people don't have those skills. And, like, I do think that, that high schools in particular can be a lot harder for people that don't know how to fake it. Right. And, like, I mean, we're lucky. Like, we're – we – can tell stories and we can absolutely act, you know like that's and a gift just be that captivating and like take up space yes i mean that's not part of that is also like i think my my family my like macho italian family seeing that i was like a young man mm-hmm. in the family so mm-hmm. they were like you can do anything you want but right. your sisters no ah. so i mean like i also was very bold interesting and constantly doing things like auditioning to play People Christopher who Columbus. brought smallpox to <laughs> this country. Um, but I feel like, I feel like, uh, I feel like however you get through, well, I also think I like split myself a little bit. I mean, earlier when you were introducing yourself, you said that you were in recovery from an eating disorder mm-hmm. and I developed a really terrible eating disorder in high school because I was like doing a thing that I didn't want to be doing, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I didn't want to hang out with my boyfriend yeah and so um i like freaked the fuck out but i mean it was all very that's the thing about an eating disorder or my iteration was like it's all very on the on the down low oh yeah so yeah everyone's though i can go to school and be roll fun and roll fun living and Uh winning at life and everything's going great and you're so great and like you look so great that's the worst i think the worst is in when you're in the throes of eating disorder and then you get a compliment from someone that's like you look amazing what have you been doing and it's just like click it's like a little in your head your eating disorder is like we're winning yeah you should keep doing this don't stop doing this yeah the eternal tally. Yeah, the Ital- the tally. Yeah, the tally. How did you? When did you? When were you able to sort of like let it go or come to come to? You know, I mean, this is like of I mean, it's co- kind of, of a lifelong battle. Well, which... it's a lifelong battle. It's not yeah. something that's done. Yes. Um, but I will say that. I mean, it's so wonderfully predictable that when I started dating women, mm-hmm. I could understand what was attractive about their bodies Mm -hmm. and so then I could understand what was attractive about my body Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. when I was with men I was always with these um well first of all I can still recognize what an attractive man is and like my type of man like the guy guy that I'm into yes is a super muscly dude Uh uh-huh like I really like Jason Momoa (laughs) oh oh yeah (laughs) like that's okay so like I would look at that body and I would think that I should have that body too, like oh. super low body fat, uh-huh. and that's actually like not attainable for somebody with my physical composition uh-huh. and hormone balance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I couldn't understand what my boyfriend could see in me because I knew that what I saw in him was like you're a statue, you know, right. like you're a beautiful statue. Right. Like I look at you and you're beautiful. Right. But um. Anyway, oh, that's really dating women, I was like, oh, what I like about you is this. And also, like, I can totally see that you have cellulite. Yeah. And I yeah. can totally see that, like, 
whatever i can see you can, you can is, see all of it and you mm-hmm. know and i didn't care i th- yeah. actually thought it was cool and yeah. i was into it and i was like oh i could see myself that uh-huh way. that's really cool that's really cool I, I think mine is like i mean it got it got worse when i went to college I mean, I actually don't really think it was there in high school. Like, I think I was not in a brain space where that was even something that I worried or thought about. Um, Because genetically, I'm tall and pretty long. So, like, any weight that I kind of put on or take off is just, like, it balances itself out. It's not really a big – I'm lucky that way. But then when I got to college, I went to a women's college, and – there are many benefits Where did of going. You go? I went to Stevens. It's in Missouri. It's in oh. Columbia, Missouri. And there are many benefits to going to women's college. One of which is like, you could be lesbian or bi, and no one cares. Like, a a bad thing that can happen is that like if you get a lot of women in one space together, you can get like a hive mind right. that can create really gnarly behavior that becomes normalized within that group of women like eating disorders. Like I remember my sweet mate and I had this like almost like a vision board, but it was like a psychotic one that was like all models, bodies and stuff. Oh and, my like, God. Oh, it was that's really, tough. it was gnarly. It was a gnarly. And like at the time it was just, I just thought it was normal. And now I look back and I'm like, Ooh, baby Stephanie, like you poor, yeah, you poor thing. Hard. that You were just going in your bathroom every day, getting ready and like having this, these images just like, wail at you from the wall and you did that to yourself you know you thought you had to be this that or the other and then well did you do that to yourself i, I mean, mean yeah that's yes a good you point. did, I did but, but you were only acting as an intermediary slash messenger that's true that's very 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 true i mean we're getting it from all sides constantly constantly yeah i also like, aggressively i think that for me anyway um I wasn't, like, particularly sexuality patrolled when I was a kid, like, because mm-hmm. people didn't really know what was up. But they were like, your body seems weird. Like, like that. Oh, And wow. I think part of that was that I just am like, I carry my body gay. I carry my body really gay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what I was trying to do was get so thin that you couldn't even see how gay that body oh, was. Oh, shit, girl. That is deep. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah, I think I, that is an interesting. I think I, I think I can carry my body mm. kind of gay, mm-hmm. but I can also flip the. I can flip the well, switch. What's that like? I'm it's so really curious. interesting. It's really and it's bizarre because like sometimes uh, there was this girl. I keep hitting this microphone. I hope it's not making crazy noises. There was. I did this play. Uh, this was before I moved to L.A. It was like in the m- mid-2000s or something. I did this play, and we traveled a couple places with it, and I had like sort of a an affair with one of the girls in the cast. And like there would be times when we would go out in New York to these like gay clubs or whatever, and... I felt comfortable with her in a different in like a different way and also because she was her stature was very small she was a tiny little peanut. So like I felt like oh I get to be like I get to take up more space physically in this relationship kind of because I I'm big and I'm longer and like I'm just going to like lay lay my arm across the back of this couch with you and like that was f- great and fun and a great expression of myself but then then she would call me on like, why don't you do that all the time? And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't want or need anyone in our cast to know that we're dating because it's just going to be a messy mess. <laughs> sure. Everyone's going to be like, Whoa, what's going on? You know, um, but I also think like I I'm I wasn't at the time. I don't think I was comfortable with like, I guess you could call it like code switching or something like I yeah. wasn't comfortable with with doing one all the time or the other all the time. Like I wanted to be able to like fluctuate back and forth. And for her, part of what what she liked was that I was bigger and taller and sort of like more, it took up more space in her. And when I didn't do that, when I sort of 
flipped to being more feminine or or wearing makeup when we hung out or being more feminine around her it gave her sort of like I don't know where I belong here with you like I don't know what I'm doing yeah it was really it was very confusing but I also think she was struggling to I mean like both of us were young and we were like I don't know what this is you know so yeah it was hard though because like she had this she had this mink coat that her grandmother had given her it was like pink and she didn't ever want to wear it. And she pulled it out of her closet. She was like, isn't this crazy? And I immediately put it on. I was like, ooh. Like, I was having such a girl moment in this mink coat because I wanted to, like, just live in this pink mink coat. And I remember, like, f- like t- totally, like, feeling myself in the jacket. And I turned around and I saw the look on her face. I was like, I need to take this jacket off right now. Like, she does not like this at all. This is not the reaction that she wanted. Oh, you know? man. That stinks that... She would want, like, such a narrow expression from you. I mean, I I will say that, you know, different people are into different stuff. But I think that what what I would imagine is that, like, if you're bi, you think about this is how I am with a woman or this is how I am with a man and Mm -hmm. it changes. There's some code switching and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But – and I'm sure you've had this experience, too – you know, that also fluctuates so much, like, within... Within a straight relationship. Uh, w- or, like, any, Like, any, it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, I think the... If they're... Whatever the spectrum is, like, because masculine and feminine are so difficult and reductive and hard to use, mm-hmm. but then, like, we don't have better language. <laughs> so, I think about that all the time. So, I think about that all like, the time. Like, if it's, like, hard and soft or whatever it is, um, you know, I've gone both ways on the spectrum. Yeah. And w- with just people that identified as women so then it's like god i guess does anything i mean because i think people well and i'll ask you this question but Mm -hmm. first i'll just say it as a statement okay people have a hard time understanding bisexuality yes and if you just thought about yourself yes whoever you are however you identify and the range of people that you've been into i think you would find that you're not into like a static person who exists as replicants right. of themselves. <laughs> Some kind of weird Because this clone. isn't Battlestar Galactica. Yes. And so <laughs> I think it's like less confusing than, than it most people most people will will believe it. I think like, that's a really good way to put it though. It's like think about what, you know, let's say you're straight or gay or whatever, but like and if you're having trouble understanding what bisexuality is and so Let's say, let's use like a straight person as an example. I don't know what that, that means. Does it mean you're promiscuous? Like, does, does it mean you date everyone? I don't get it. Like, well, just because you're straight doesn't mean like every single straight person that you see of the opposite sex you want to bone, right? And in fact, the people that you actually want to bone are, like you said, it's a spectrum of different kinds of people. You're not always looking for a carbon copy of the last person that you dated or whatever. You know, there's lots of different kinds of people that you're attracted to. So it's the same with bisexuality. It's like you just you're just attracted to who you're attracted to and there's a lot of people that you're not and there's a lot of people that you are. And then it just becomes like, well who do I want to Okay, so if you if you're at a bar, let's say the whole world is a bar. Let's say. Let's say the whole world's a bar and there's twenty people in this bar and you find yourself attracted to ten of them. I'm attracted to 10 of them. Five of them happen to be girls. Five of them happen to be guys. I then have a conversation like with each of these 10 people and I try to figure out, well, I liked you. I liked the way you looked, but I don't like the way that you talk about politics or <laughs> right. I don't like the way you just treated the waiter. Wait, do you mean you like act like a normal person? Yeah, you just like You sort of engage with people and like, like see if they're a cool person. So weird, right? No, so I mean, weird. it is weird. But I think that even if... Like, this is so, this just strikes me as, like, we're, like, people who don't identify are just being obtuse if they are not. Yeah, because it so. Because it is, like, okay, so let's even say that you could say, that one could say, like, well, actually, I really have, like, a strict type, and I'm only into, like, uh-huh. one type of person. Uh-huh. Okay, and it's women. Let's, I just really like one type of women. Still, like, they wouldn't all have the same boobs. Right. Do you know, like, it's almost yeah. like... They wouldn't. It's almost like they wouldn't. So they just wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Like it's almost like, like no matter what you're le- doing, even if you're less, dating, like, sexual than that, they wouldn't all have the same toes. Yeah, they, they wouldn't all have the same toes. They just wouldn't. Or like People's the same uh, family. Yep. They wouldn't all be sisters. They, they wouldn't. They better not be. 
Yeah. So I think it's. I mean, I like. I also think it's about. No, thanks for correcting me. I just said boobs because I was. I think I was just thinking about boobs. Well, but, yeah, I yeah. not thinking about boobs a lot <laughs> right. of the time. But you're right, toes or family. <laughs> toes right. or family, yeah. That's the other thing, though. Like, I just said, what I just said is who's not thinking about boobs a lot of the time. I think something that ha- that can happen, too, is, like, people assume that because I'm bisexual, I'm, like, sexualizing my friends all the time. Well, I mean, that is something I can relate to. Yeah. Which it's is not, like, It's not a thing I deal with anymore, really. But no. But in the past, when in the I was past, first coming yeah. out. yeah. Just like, what do you do with me? It's like, well, I'm not into you. (laughs) Like, I don't mean to be rude. Like, I mean, you're my friend, but like, I don't want to do it with you. Have you had those conversations with people? I've had like, I've had less of a conversation and more of just like a weird energetic feeling of like, I notice that you don't really want to change in front of me. Like, or I notice that like you like get nervous when we're talking about like I've had an experience of uh, experiences before where like I'm talking about like like you know just like shooting the shit with friends and like talking about sexual experiences where I have friends kind of like get I I can tell that there's like a nervousness that they're sharing this sexual experience in front of me in a weird way and it's like just because you share this experience about your like you're just because you're telling a fun sex story doesn't mean like I'm now going to like you know so, I don't know, focus in and sexualize you. I don't know. Oh, it's so man. interesting. Do you know what I think I just realized mm. is that like I well, I would put like my bi friends in the queer community. Like uh-huh. I would put the those folks in the queer community with like non-binary folks and yeah. gay folks and trans. Like I would put the, and then so then I have like friends that are in the queer community. Yeah. And then I have friends that are not in the queer community. Right. Like, I would say that I have, like, two groups of people. Yeah. But I am so recognized as being a member of the queer community Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, like, at an event or Mm -hmm. whatever, or a dinner party, like, there's going to be, like, another lesbian there. Right. I think I just realized that, like, like, bi folks are underrepresented and under like oh, and yeah. under uh self reporting or whatever like yeah. the less creepy way of saying that is that like you might not actually have the experience of like here's my queer friends here's my yeah. not queer friends so a lot of times like, you feel sort of lost in, in like where shuffle. are my allies like who are my allies because <clears throat> and i've had experiences before where i i mean that that relationship in uh was like kind of in new york um and when I would go to these, like, hang out at these, like, gay clubs, which was the first time that I'd ever really done that because I didn't do that in college or anything. I didn't have the access to it, really. So, like, New York was the first time that I started sort of going to gay clubs and stuff. And when – and at the time, it was way less kind of acceptable to be by. It was like, well, what does that mean? You know, I would get a lot of, like, what are you doing? Are you gay or not? I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm not. Like, that's the – point of me saying that I'm bi or queer is that I actually am not and that is a really hard place to sort of live in because like you don't feel you're not straight because you want to touch girls butts you know but like you're not gay because you also want to touch boys butts you know so like there's butts. this butts so there's a lot of do you have bi friends I have some yeah I have some and like that that is like a we've had some discussions about it but like i would say like from at least for me my my experience of being bi has been a lot of a lot of just like figuring it out on my own yeah. and like kind of swimming through this on my own and like going on the internet and like trying to find like where is it who else is it you know like where is it and like and what ends up happening a lot of the in in the past has been like it's some kind of like hypersexualized or hyper promiscuous version of something that right. I don't identify with at all. I mean, so the I I think like the the nicest thing about sort of kind of being publicly bi queer is that I've had like I had this really nice experience at Comic Con where this kid was waiting in the line because so I did this voice you did a voice too for Danger and Eggs for Amazon so great show Danger and Eggs great show lots of lots of representation on that show and uh, 
there was we did like a signing line and there was this really sweet young man who was like a very tall young man and he like bent sort of stooped down to tell me he was like I'm just so happy that you like have said that you're bi in the media like you don't know how much that means to me like there's so there's not very many people that are saying what their experiences are and like that's really big for me because I hadn't seen that before and I'm like god damn it it's 2017 and like this teenager is telling me that he hasn't really seen that much before I'm so grateful that I you know did some dumb tweet like I didn't even like really mean to like come out like quote unquote I was just like yeah I like agreed with something Aubrey Plaza said which was like some quote in a magazine about her saying like yeah she also likes girls it just like doesn't matter who she falls in love with and I was like yep and then it was like like internet just went like I didn't even like think about it really because like I for myself have identified that way for a long time you know and like my close friends would you know, like people that I date, they know that about me. So, but then you forget that, like, right, the internet is a huge place in which, like, there's lots of people looking at, it's like a bulletin board for the world, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't have, I didn't have that experience because I started in stand-up, stand-up is talking about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't do the thing where I ever, I never did, I never did stand-up before I was out on stage. There are oh, a lot wow. of comics who, like, start not out on stage yeah even now um so yeah i like that was that was it like it was interesting i mean like the response was very interesting the hardest part has been so the hardest part was the sort of again there's like a i'll say the hardest part has been like so i that happened right and then I was in a relationship and I I was not in that relationship anymore. That relationship ended and then I started dating again and it was like I felt an immense pressure to have a relationship after that that relationship that I had with a man. I felt an immense pressure to have a relationship with a girl. And like I just didn't there wasn't I just happened to fall in love with a man next, you know? And like I felt pressure and my own probably my own pressure to be like well I should be like really representing the community and like like going back and forth between like different kinds of partners but the reality is and I think this is reality for most bi people you just fall in love with who you fall in love with and the person that I fell in love with next happened to be a man the the hard difficult part now is like I'm not sure I don't know if his family really knows that many people that are bisexual and I think that they're they are confused by that and like I'm gonna do my best I haven't really met many of them yet but I'm gonna do my best to sort of explain to them like I this is who I am but also like I really love your son and that that's the relationship that I'm choosing to be in right now you know I don't I don't see myself being in another one after that because this guy is so amazing so it's just like it's messy because like it's messy because a I want to be a, a sort of public vocal person that says like what you feel this this in-between space that you feel that you don't understand and feels crazy to you and you feel like you should make a choice you don't have to make any choices you can live in the middle forever you can just choose who you love but another part of me is like shouldn't I be like shouldn't I show that somehow or like something and like isn't this like is this bad that I'm like Showing up to like the glad awards with my you do realize I hope so I'm gonna put a lot of pressure on myself I think I need to well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything you're saying sounds understandable. It's not like you're saying something that comes from nowhere. I think right. that's a really common. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at least, I mean, I hear I hear about bi erasure all the time. Yeah. So I feel like that's a really common feeling. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think it's also more relatable than you know you may even realize like Uh first of all you are doing a great job of I think modeling confidence thanks Cameron yeah I mean I see you on the internet I see what you're doing I think it's cool (laughs) and I also think that since there are bi people that are in every iteration of 
relationship yes. possible, yes. there needs to be you. Yes. That's, um, yeah, that's so that you can model that type of relationship yeah. and then still say, like, this is what's going on with me. And, you know, and then I also think, like, it is really hard to be in a relationship and have a strong identity, like, <laughs> across the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to date really uh, feminine women, mm-hmm. super feminine women. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't believe I married Rhea. I mean, she's the greatest. I would never, if you had been like, like this is who you're gonna it's marry, like a, like a gender queer, like non-binary person that also uses she, and you're gonna call her your wife, and like there's gonna be so much hair product. Like I would never <laughs> have believed you. Um, I think that, I think that's actually the blessing of being queer, and I think yeah. we should relax into it because okay. the cool part of being queer. Is that we don't have to do the other stuff that other people are yeah, trying to live up that's to. That's very real. That's very real. You really don't. You really don't. You have a whole community of people. That's like, hey, that will you be don't like, have to do. I see you. Yeah. I want you to. I mean, and I'm. you're going to get like stupid shit too. Yeah. Because you're like a public figure. Right. So you're going to get like weird right. shit. There's the stupid and weird shit. There's but, always a stupid and weird shit. Yeah. Of, like always. if you weren't, if you were just doing your job and any... And had any other descriptors, you'd get stupid you'd shit get for stupid that shit too. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. But um, right. the thing that you're talking about. Well, no, that's I mean, cool. I like hearing that. I like hearing that a lot because I do think like, I mean, you probably have this too. Many artists do. It's like this those voices in their your head that you like trust to make your work better are sometimes the same. They sound the same as the voices that like terror tear you down and like want to tell you that you're kind of awful and that you should just stop doing everything and they sound exactly the same they all sound like you (laughs) you know it just they sound exactly like you and they both sound trustworthy and you're like well which is correct i'm not sure a hundred percent can i tell you a very short dumb story please i love it it's not a dumb story actually at all it's an amazing story uh because you were at the glad awards you just said Mm -hmm. a minute ago and I was at the glad awards this year and i hosted them yeah you were great thank you You hilarious and the this is the beginning of this sentence is going to sound like I'm a real snot, but I did not have a private dressing room. Oh, I you were back in the. So what room. I mean by that is that I was in the same room with like everybody else that presented. Yes. On that stage, and then all of like the makeup artists and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, I walked off stage after doing my monologue, and this is like a packed room, like. Paris Jackson's entourage. Oh I can't God. even explain to you who is between me and Jeffrey Tambor, who's sitting in the very far corner. And I walked back. I walked in, and literally in like a small voice, he just goes, "You're hard on yourself, aren't you?" <laughs> and I and it somehow like carried at this level <laughs> oh where I like God. heard it and knew he was talking to me, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And he was like, "You're hard on yourself." You're from the Midwest, I can hear it in your voice. You're hard on yourself. Oh my God! Why? Are you, why do you do that to yourself? And I was like, Well, no, I'm just like, I'm gonna, I, I'm going through my stuff so I can like do better jokes. And he was like, You're gonna go home tonight and you're gonna think about that set, aren't you? Don't do it. Oh and I was like, gosh. But that's how I have to like meditate on it so that I can improve next time. And he was like, No, throw it out the window. You were terrific. It was the best you could have been. Oh my <laughs> God! Just like, okay, goodbye. And then he didn't puff into a. A bit of a smoke. <laughs> he like continued to stay, and but that's just. Oh a, my god! <laughs> so anyway, that's what I'm gonna say to you. Oh my god! I'm like clutching that my he pearls He said right to now. me that we have to both shut our voices up. Ah, damn! That's how he's probably Jeffrey Tambor. I know. He learned how to shut his voices up. Exactly. Damn. Okay. So when I when he said that, I was like, oh, if that's what you're doing, then I need I to need reorder to what I've been because I, I thought this is that. what we were all doing. Oh but god. is this just what I've been doing? <laughs> So whoa! I, I like literally was having a tailspin today because we did we had the table read for the first two episodes today, and like I just went into a tailspin because I started thinking like okay well what this is season five like how much longer could our show possibly go and like I just love these people so much and like that was probably the last season the the last time I'm ever gonna do like a seat the episode one table read and I guess this is it and I guess my life is over and I'm never gonna work again oh my god like I full on like spun out and then I went over to boyfriend's house and like 
watched Game of Thrones in like a, you know, daze and then took a nap and woke up and was still spinning on it. And he was like, are you going to be okay? Like, what's wrong? I'm worried about you. And I was like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. You don't need to take my stuff on. But like, I now I see that like. I'm spinning out, and like I need to know. You're hard on yourself, aren't you? Yourself, aren't you? You're from the Midwest. You're from, you're from the Midwest. I can hear your voice. You're hard on yourself. Oh my god! Oh my god! I do remember that little tiny, that that. Oh, it's just not that tiny that holding room, but like it's. It was just weird because there were so people. many different types of people yeah. in there that yeah. were doing different types of stuff of things. Yeah, yeah. and they're all all in their heads about what they're about to do. Yeah. Oof. And I. It was, but. But that happened. Yeah. Wow. Which is wow. amazing. Wow. That's an amazing <laughs> moment. I know. That's amazing. I know. So I'm trying to internalize it as much as I can because. <sighs> that's such a. You know, you are. I just can tell even from this conversation that you are uh, like considering, thinking, like improving, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I'm like that, too. Yeah. Sometimes we have to take a little break. Yeah, we do. We should, we should take breaks because, I mean, it is good to – it's hard, though, like, as uh, because you start out – I think I started out at least was like, well, the more critical that I am of myself, the better I'm getting. Right. So that means I need to continue doing that. And it's really difficult to switch that off because it feels like – it's like – Oh, well, I'm getting, well, when I get better, I get rewarded. So how did I get better? I was shitty to myself. Well, I guess I should be shitty to myself again. It's the same eating disorder voice. It's the same. That's exactly what it is. Same voice. Well, the other thing that I would say about that is, you know, okay, so if you want to feed an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a great voice to listen to. If you want (laughs) to, um, like, have success in a very cutthroat, industry Mm -hmm. that's a great voice to listen to Mm -hmm. but if you want to be happy it's a terrible voice to listen to yeah and (laughs) because what you're talking about like you know improving and like being hard on yourself so that you get better yes if you have that voice and then you apply it to everything like relationships and your rep my the way that i represent bisexual people is not like i have to strive right you know if we're doing that to ourselves it's, Across it's, the it's board, gnarly. It's you can't gnarly. ever calm down, and yeah. you'll never achieve the, the thing. Which is the thing is actually just rest, right? Like, yes. <laughs> like it's just feeling like you got there. The goal is actually just feeling chill the fuck out where you are. Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, I imagine you guys, you and Ria, are feeling that way because you're running this show. Well, she's really good at rest. She I'm is. really bad at rest, <laughs> so she's like a good balance for you that way. She's really. I'm really lucky to have her because. Otherwise, I would be. I constantly am like, "Why aren't you more motivated?" But then she's like, "It's six a.m." Like you know, like so. It's like I am with a really good person because yeah. if I was with somebody that was just like me, we would be like a grease spot yeah. on the floor yeah. because we would have like rocketed up into the heavens. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's how I like. My ex is a wonderful person, but it was very like we were both very ambitious and very focused. So. Then it was like it became this sort of like monster machine thing that would sort of go spin on itself, you know. And that was it was great for discussions about movies and what we did like or didn't like. Those were always entertaining, but (laughs) it was not good for. How do you? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Well, there's a list of anxieties. (laughs) What's your list? Let's compare lists. It was not great. This new guy is much more chill about everything. I asked him, I remember asking him, like, I'm like two, three weeks into dating. And I think I was also looking for things. I was like, how can I get you out? Like, how can I sabotage this? So I asked him, "Uh, how do you feel about being a stay-at-home dad? How do you feel about that? And I was also kind of drunk when I asked him. I was like at a party at my house. I was like, how do you feel about being a stay-at-home dad? And he was like, I feel great about it. I I would love to do that. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. I found him. I think I found him. And also, I remember taking him to, it was like TCA's last year. And, I, you know, you have to step and repeat, step and repeat. And I was like, can you hold this? Like jacket and purse or whatever. I do the step and repeat. It takes like 40 minutes or whatever, interviews and stuff. And at the end, he's just like, smiling and holding my purse. I was like, I'm so sorry you had to hold the bag and my jacket the whole time. He's like, I'll hold your purse forever. I'll hold your purse forever for these things. And I was like, yeah. Well, that sounds great. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. It's pretty great. He's pretty great. And 
it's really fucking cool that, uh, hey, your identity doesn't have to have, like, you can be your own thing. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't have to identify. He he doesn't have to be bisexual. Nope. Nope. And uh, it sounds like you found a really good match. Yeah. He's I'm really, really happy for you. He's a really good match. Thank you. Thank you. I think he's really, he's really great. Thank you so much for talking to me. Oh my God, my absolute pleasure. Let's go find out who we are. Who we are. Well, listeners, that's our show. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Cameron Esposito. We are recorded by Matt Brousseau, produced by Sierra Catow and Feral Audio. Our theme song is by AW, and you can find them at listentoaw.com. Thanks for listening to Query. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus! I mean, Jazos! (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.